0: Hi, I'm Pastor DeAndre J. Cross Sr., the pastor teacher of the St. John Baptist Church of Belle Place, Louisiana. Thank you for joining me today on the Renewing Your Mind podcast. Let's go into the sanctuary of the St. John Baptist Church and hear today's message. For the time that is ours to share on today, I want to label today's message, praying to know God. Praying to know God. The story is told of Mark Twain, how he had made his triumphant tour through Europe. While there, he was honored by great universities and kings. His daughter seeing and noting the number of dignitaries honoring him said these words, Daddy, I guess pretty soon you will know everybody except God. Truth is, it does not matter who you know or how many you know. Ultimately, knowing God is the only relationship that matters for eternity. So my question today is, do you know God? It has been rightly said that knowing God is the most meaningful pursuit in life. But unfortunately, one of the greatest tragedies of our day is many people have learned about God, but they do not know God. God desires for us to know him. He desires to reveal himself to us. In fact, if you were to ask the question of God, what of all states God ever sees man and gives him most pleasure... The answer would come back knowledge of himself. In fact, God himself said in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, God says, I desire the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. God desires that we know him and he desires to make himself known unto us. So the question now has to become, What does it mean to know God? This idea of knowing God comes through effort. It comes through pursuit. It comes through desire. Not merely flipping open your Bible and looking for a verse a day that keeps the devil away. But knowing God involves an intentional quest for intimacy with him. Knowing God is more than having a religious experience with him or explaining how you feel about him. Uh-huh. Knowing God is more than reading books about God, listening to sermons about God, gathering information about God, or even giving your opinion about God. All of that is fine and dandy, but to know him is to enter into a relationship with him, so he is the dominant influence of our thoughts and of our actions. It's the picture of a man getting to know a woman. When a man sees a beautiful lady, he introduces himself to her and he asks her her name. He says to her, I would like to get to know you. Now, the man's goal is not just to introduce himself to that lady, but ultimately his goal is to develop a relationship with her that will one day manifest in engagement and ultimately marriage prior to the wedding night a man's knowledge of a woman is by information only but on the wedding night or at the honeymoon this newly engaged or newly married couple will take their relationship to the next level and now the man who has first introduced himself to this woman he now gets to know her, get this just as Adam knew Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the Bible speaks of a man knowing a woman, it is speaking of physical intimacy. Yeah, and we know that because the result of Adam knowing Eve was the fact that Eve begat Cain and Abel. Yes, I've got a witness here. Yes, sir. And this is is what knowing God is really about? Knowing God, we should view it in the same way we view a husband who gets to know his wife. Knowing God involves an intentional quest for intimacy with Him. Yeah. Here's my next question on today: How well do you know God? Do you know Him at all? Do you know Him casually? Or do you know him intimately? And if you don't know him intimately, and if you only know him casually, are you satisfied with just a casual relationship with God, or do you desire deeper intimacy with him? And it is my sincere prayer that by the end of this series of messages that you would desire to want to know him in a deeper and more intimate way. But the question now becomes, how do I know God and not just know about God? Our text today is telling to teach us that if you desire to know God, then you must pray to know God. If you desire to God, it begins with prayer to God, asking God that he might reveal himself unto us. In Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23, we meet a man by the name of Moses. Moses had a desire and a hunger to know God. God. He had come to know God through many different experiences, but had become dissatisfied with a sort of casual knowledge of God. Yep, sir. Moses desired more of God, and as a result, he prayed to God and made three requests from God, he prays in verse 13, now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your ways, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. He says in verse number 15, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. And then finally he says in verse number 18, please show me your glory. These three verses today teach us how to pray to know God. If you are going to pray to know God, then you must first pray to know his ways. That's point number one. If you are going to pray To know God, you must first pray to know his ways. Look at verses 12 and 13. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will sit with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. Verse 13. Now therefore I pray. If I have found grace in your sight. Show me now your way. That I may know you. And that I may find grace. In your sight. Now before I get into into that. Let me just begin by saying this. Because the truth of the matter is. What matters most. Is not the fact. That we know God but what matters most is the fact that God knows us. See you can know God all you want but the question is does God know you? Is your name engraved on the palm of his hand? See all our knowledge of God Depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. Have I got a witness here? See, I can know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. The reason I know he knows me is because he calls me friend. The reason I know he knows me is because he loves me and there is no moment in our lives when God's eyes or his mind is not on us. He knows us. That's why I love that song by Tasha Cobbs Leonard that says, he knows my name. You can know God all you want, but the real question is, does God know you? And when you understand that God knows you, it'll move you to a place to where you will have a desire to want to know him. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Moses makes a statement here in verse 13. He says, let me know your ways. Show me your ways, oh God. Show, show me your ways that I might know you. See, to know God is to know God's ways. Uh-huh. And to know God's ways is to know God. In order for you to know God's ways, then you have to be synced up to what God is doing. You have to be aligned to God's will. you got to be aligned to God's word and aligned to God's way. God has to have the rule over your life. In order to know God's ways, it means that you and God have to be on the same page. See, you can't really know someone if you don't even know what they're up to. But even though that's true about our relationship with God, many of us miss that point. Because when we pray, we tend to make our prayers about us. We make our requests not so that God will show us what he's doing and we get on the page with him but when we pray we want god to get on the same page with us and do what we want him to do have i got a witness here but 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 to know god is to know god's ways and get on his path and get on his agenda because you will discover that if you know his way, if you know his path, it'll keep you from going down the wrong path even though you want what you want when you want it. Have I got a witness here? And so many times we, we seek to ask God to bless our plans, but here is how we ought to pray. We really ought to ask God to show us where he's blessing. And make our way to where God is blessing instead of asking God to bless whatever it is that we're planning. Because you do know that sometimes the things that you have planned for your life is not the same thing that God has planned for your life. Have a God a witness here. And if you learn how to get in sync with God, it'll save you a whole lot of heartache. It'll save you a whole lot of pain. See see how y'all looking at me? I I, I know y'all looking at me online, too. Because truth of the matter is, if you was on the same path with God, you would have not have married who you married, and you would not be going through what you're going through in your marriage. If you was on the same page with God even though I know you wanted that house real bad but if you was on the same page with him you would have not have brought that house because he would have showed you it was going to be hard to keep up the notes. Have I got a witness here? But so often we want what we want and we ask God to bless what it is that we desire but what we should do is find out where God is blessing and make our way to where God is blessing. See, when you're not in the flow with God, you're going to face many difficulties in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a God of witness Because these difficulties will not stem from trials that are designed to strengthen you, but rather from the consequences of your poor choices. You, you do know that some trials we go through Is because God wants to develop us. But other trials we go through is because God is trying to discipline us. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather go through a trial that's designed to develop me because when I come out of it, I'm going to be stronger, wiser, and better. But now if I got to go through a trial because of my poor choices and because of my poor decisions, I'm going to have a harder time dealing with that because I would not have had to go through that had I been in step and in sync with God in the first place. So knowing God's ways and his path and then merging on to that is the only way to lasting peace in this life is also the only way that we could be productive in our lives. So knowing God, first of all, involves knowing his ways. Secondly, if you're going to know God, not only must you pray to know his ways, but you must pray to experience God's presence. Pray to experience God's presence. Look at what it says in verses 14 through 17. And he said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses here, in verses 14 and 15, he takes his request a step further. In verses 14 and 15, 14 through 17, Moses doesn't just want to know God's ways, but now he desires to experience God's presence. He tells the Lord in verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, God, I don't just want to be with you, I want you to be with me. Now this is critical because when you look at this verse in context, you will discover that what has happened is sin has robbed the children of Israel from God's presence. Uh But the good news is, even though they were robbed of his presence, they were not robbed of God's promise. Uh I like it. Let, Let me see if I can bring you to where I am. Because Moses had just spent 40 days on Mount Sinai communicating with God. And during those days on the mountain, God revealed to Moses his law and wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone with His finger. And while Moses was with the Lord, the children of Israel grew restless, so Aaron gathered gold earrings from the people and constructed a golden calf. This, When they constructed this golden calf, they danced and they shouted, And they proclaimed these words. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. People offered sacrifices to the golden calf and began to engage in in riotous living. Now, while they were doing all of that, get this. God knew everything that was going on. And because God knew what was going on, God told Moses what was going on. He told Moses that because of what they're doing at the bottom of the mountain, I am going to destroy Israel and start all over with a new nation that will worship him and not turn to idols. But what Moses does, as any good prophet would do, as any good shepherd and pastor and leader would do, Moses interceded with the Lord for his stiff-necked, rebellious people. He reminded God of the promise that he had made to Abraham. And he also said that the pagans would say he brought them into the wilderness just to kill them. And so what the Lord did was, the Lord relented and he did not destroy the people. Moses now came down from the mountain and he saw the people in their celebration to an idol God. Moses gets angry and he throws down the Ten Commandments in his anger. Let me just pop right here, Deacon Day, and say this because you know, I, you know, I'm kind of easy on folk who sin. I'm kind, you know, I'm kind of easy on folk who sin. Amen. I, I'm not quick to throw people who sin away. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know you know, we mess up. And the moment we mess up, we take to Facebook, we take to everywhere say, now you know that's a shame. Uh-huh. But I, I'm not, I, I used to be hard on people who sin and I used to be hard on myself when I sin. Because the truth of the matter is I've broken some commandments in my life. But here's what i discovered. Even though I broke a few commandments in my life, I ain't as bad as Moses. I broke one or two commandments, but Moses broke all ten of them at the same time. See how y'all look? See, y'all didn't even know that was in the Bible, huh? He got mad and he threw the commandments down and he broke. Listen, my little one or two commandments that I broke ain't nothing compared to what Moses done. That was a joke. (laughs) I digress. That was a digression. Amen. And so what Moses does is he burned the golden calf, he grounded it to powder, he mixed it with water, and he made the children of Israel drink it. Then he called for those who were still loyal to God to rally to his side. And the Levites stood with him and at his instruction, they they went through the camp killing all of the idolaters. 3,000 people died that day. But the next day, watch this because this gets me where I'm going. The next day, Moses pled with God for the forgiveness of his people. And even though God, even though he asked God to block His own name out of the book in order to save the people of Israel. God then gives him an assignment. He then gives him instructions. And and listen to the instructions that he gives. God told Moses to lead the people from Mount Sinai toward the promised land. And this is why Moses is saying what he's saying. God, God told him to lead them from the promised land. But there's one catch. There's one condition. I'm in chapter 33, verse 3 now. The one condition is God said, I want you to lead them from Sinai to the promised land, but I will not go with you. That's right. right. I'm not going with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. So what God does because of their serving idol gods, God withholds his presence from them. But even though he withholds his presence, he still keeps his promise. Uh-huh. Yeah. He wants to bring them away from Sinai into the promised land just like he promised. But the problem was he wasn't going with them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now Moses is not having that. Moses is says God if you are not going then I'm not going Moses said I'm not going anywhere or doing anything without the presence of God he wasn't about to make one move or take one step without first being assured that God was going with him even if it meant not entering into the promised land this teaches us two things about the presence of God This teaches us that God's presence is necessary. Did you hear what I said? God's presence is necessary in order to accomplish your God-given mission in your life. Without God's presence in our lives, without his active and vibrant company, without his attendance in the course of our daily affairs, we will not be able to accomplish anything. In fact, living this Christian life itself is impossible to do without the presence of God. Yes, sir. Moses shows us that we really that what we really need is not our problems to be solved. What we really need is not for all of our dreams to come true, even though that would be nice. But Moses teaches us today in this text that what we really need is God's presence with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, have mercy. See, see, it'll be better to live in a desert with no home permanently than to go to the promised land without God. Hell oh I got a witness? Here. Oh my. And can I tell us today, Saint John? That's what we need as a church collectively. That's what we need as individuals. That's what we need. We need his presence. We need him. Listen, if God doesn't show up, it doesn't matter how good the praise team sings. It doesn't matter how good the deacons pray. It does not matter how good the musicians play or how well the preacher preaches. If God doesn't show up, we would have just wasted our time. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. that's what I want when I come here to the sanctuary, that's what I want when I log on to the St. John experience I don't just want to hear good music, I don't just want to hear good singing, I don't just want to hear a good sermon, no, I want the Lord to show up I want his presence to fill this room. I want to be consumed with his presence. Moses says, God, I just don't want to be with you. I need to be assured that you are with me. And if God has led you out of Egypt, you better not leave him behind at Mount Sinai. Come on now. Come on. Have a God, I got a witness sir. Yes, sir. I'll, I, Lord have mercy. I'd rather be poor with God than to be rich without him. Lord have mercy Jesus. Did you get what I said? I, I, I'd i rather be in a shotgun house with God. Than to be in a mansion without God. I'd rather be in a church that's quiet. Than to be somewhere where God is not. And let me just say this. Just because the church is quiet and is not saying nothing, it does not mean that God's presence is not there. Because God doesn't move the same way every time. He might move in a demonstrative way this week and all of us will be shouting in here. But sometimes when God moves, all of us will be sitting quiet and just crying and reflecting on the goodness of God. but but what matters is it don't matter whether we shout or whether we cry as long as God shows up when we come here. His presence is what was necessary. I've been, I've been in worship experiences. I've been, you know, I've been in situations where I didn't know the first thing about playing. I was just starting to learn how to play. We used to have church in a double-wide trailer. I ain't know nothing about music. All oh, but when the presence of God showed up yeah. Yeah. and you looked at what the Lord was doing, yeah. he could take somebody who don't know nothing about nothing. And anoint him and fill him in that moment to be used to bring glory to Himself. And you leave saying, "My, did not God show up today? Have I got a God to witness here. But then there are some places you could go where they're shouting all over the sanctuary. But the only problem is God ain't even there. His presence is what's necessary. man. See, see, when you got His presence. He'll make you play the right card. If You got his presence. I don't care if you don't know how to harmonize. He'll blend that thing in. Why? Because it's his presence that makes the difference. I don't want to stand up here and ever preach without the presence of the Lord. My late mentor, Pastor Charles E. Week, he used to always say, Now, Reverend, whatever you do, don't let the Holy Ghost beat you to your seat. Come on. And the only thing worse than the Holy Ghost beating you to the seat is the Holy Ghost not showing up at all. Yeah. Yeah. Come on yeah. Yeah. My, my, my. Presence of God is necessary, but the presence of God sets us apart. That's so what he says in verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us, so we shall be separate, your people and I from all. You know what separates you from everybody else? Mm. Not that you're better than nobody, because you're not better than you're not better than anybody. Because mm-hmm. all of us are sinful. Yeah. Yeah. Only difference is your stuff's still in the closet, their stuff just been exposed. Mm. But you know what makes us different from others—the presence of God. Yes. Have I got a witness here? Yes. See, the very thing that set the children of Israel apart from everybody else—it wasn't their land, it wasn't their wealth, it wasn't their culture or anything else. But because they, it wasn't none of that, the only thing that set them apart was God's presence. Yes. See, when God's presence is with you, everybody gonna know it. Yeah. Have I got a witness? Yes, sir. Yes and Lord have mercy I, I ought not say it but people can't discern when the Lord's presence is present or absent see we equate a very talented person with the anointing of God if they can do all those wrongs we automatically assume that they are anointed and just as empty as I don't know what. <laughs> oh, but when you got somebody who's, let me use their language, when you got somebody who's really oiling, yeah. guess what? You gonna know it. Everybody else gonna know it. And you don't have to walk around here with your head up in the air trying to get people to know it. Why? Because it sets you apart from everybody else. You don't have to go try to, try to, Listen, if you anointed, if God's presence is all on your life, you don't have to try to do nothing to, to get into a position without integrity. All you gotta do is walk in your character, walk in your integrity, and 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 people will see who you are in God. Yes, sir. Because his presence is what sets us apart. You, you don't have to compete with nobody. back you, you just you just sit back and anointed folk watch this if you sit back and let God's presence continue to dwell folk will come to you you wouldn't have to go to him because people can sense where the presence of God is Lord have mercy and sometimes the presence of God dwells in the least likely people Lord have mercy y'all understand what I'm saying yeah. see see, just because everybody flocked to people that does not mean that the presence of God dwelled there. because the presence of God can't dwell where your life is, your lifestyle ain't backing it up alright I gotta move Doing, <laughs> Praying to know God. If you gonna know God, you gotta pray to know God's ways. If you gonna know God, you gotta pray to experience His power. But I got one more thing to say, and I'm gonna say it. If you gonna know God, you gotta pray to see God's glory. Verse 18, and He said, "Please show me." Your glory. Yes, sir. Charles H. Spurgeon calls this the greatest request a man ever made of God. And I think he's right. How could Moses have asked for anything larger? Moses says, Please show me your glory. Please. Usually when we pray, we want some special favor from God. Lord, help me find the job. Lord, heal my child. Lord, reveal your will to me. Lord, increase my faith. Lord, deliver me from this trouble that I'm facing. Those prayers are good prayers to pray because they ask God for what only God can give. And if we ask God that a mountain be cast into a sea, we're asking for something we ourselves cannot do. So even our ordinary prayers honor the Lord because they teach us that, God is God, and we are now. But this prayer that Moses prays, it it stands all by by itself. He says, please show me your glory, or or, cause me to see your glory, or let me see your glory. That word glory means heavy or weighty. The idea is that of being overwhelmed by the greatness or the weightiness of a divine being. When the Bible speaks of the glory of God, it's referring to the weight of all that God is. God's glory is the sum total of who he is. It's it's God's power plus his wisdom, plus his justice, plus his mercy, plus his holiness, plus his love and plus every other attribute of his character. God's glory is shining forth, is the shining forth of the essence of who God is. Let me see if I can put it another way. God's glory is the visible display of the invisible God. It's when God makes himself seeable, when he manifests his deity and attributes. And what an audacious request Moses is making. Now, Now I need you to get this because it's not like Moses didn't already know God. Because Moses had already seen something of God's glory when he caught his first glimpse of God at the burning bush. When the bush burned with fire, but it was not consumed. He got another glimpse of God with the seventeen Uh, Elders who saw God in Exodus 24, 9, and 10. And then he was covered with the glory when he went to the mountaintop and entered the cloud of God's presence in Exodus 24, verses 15 through 18. He saw God's glory yet again at the tent of meetings in chapter 33, verse number 9, where, where the pillar of cloud descended from heaven. But somehow Moses knew there was still more to see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Remember that when the elders and Moses saw God in chapter 24 verses 9 and 10, the only thing they really saw was the pavement under his feet. Ah. So although he had seen something of God, he had not yet gazed upon the deity in all his brilliance. Yeah. Yeah. See, see Moses, Moses wanted a revelation of God's glory. Moses wanted a visible display of the essential quality of God's being. Moses wasn't content with just knowing God's way and having God's presence. Moses wanted it all. He wanted to see God's glory. He wanted to see the fullest unveiling possible. He wanted God in his rawest and purest manifested form. He he wanted all of God. And because he wanted all of God, he says to God, please, show me your glory. Now, Now, notice something here. He doesn't say, show us your glory. He doesn't say show the children of Israel your glory. No, not, no. He says please show me your glory. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there is a personal aspect to knowing God. Moses says God I want to experience your glory for myself. Yes, sir. And the reason many of us have never had a personal encounter with God is because we spend too much time piggybacking off of other people's intimacy with God instead of, instead of sparking our own intimacy with him. Oh, We come to church and instead of engaging in our own intimacy with God, we we have to look at the worship leader's intimacy first in order for us to experience God. We need the praise team to sing us to the point or the musicians to play us to that point or Reverend Grogan to pray us to that point or the pastor to preach us to that point, but the problem with that is we are using the personal intimacy of others with God to spark our own intimacy with God. And because of this, we have become what one writer calls spiritual pornographers. Lord have mercy. See, see, pornographers. Are those who get their thrill by watching someone else's thrill? They get their satisfaction by watching someone else's satisfaction. And when we have to turn to somebody else's spirit to experience the thrill of knowing God, we have just become spiritual pornographers. And Moses said, "Uh -uh, I ain't got time for all that. I'm going to have a personal encounter with the glory of God himself. Please show me your glory. Do you need somebody else to spark you in your worship? Or can you spark your own worship unto God? And ain't nobody love music more than me. I ain't got a problem with it. I love all kinds of music. And and you know you know musicians get kind of offended when we say we don't need no music right here, and and that's a true statement. You don't need nothing to aid you yeah. to get intimate with God. Yeah, yeah. Yes, right. Or at least you shouldn't. Right. Have I got a witness here? Yes, sir. Because the Bible says you are to enter into His gates with thanksgiving, yeah. and enter into His courts with praise. Have I got a witness? Sir? Let me say something else. And I'm going to sit down. I promise this time. (laughs) Because I'm getting dizzy. Yeah. Um, Notice something else. In 19 through 23, let me try to sum it up this way. God reveals himself to Moses. But notice God only reveals himself to Moses after Moses passionately pursues him. Y'all Bible's still open, right? God reveals himself to Moses but it's after Moses pursues God. Which lets me know something. That God does not reveal himself to any and everybody. Yeah. God only reveals himself to those who really want to know him. See, see, if you've never had an encounter with God, then you need to check your desire. Because maybe the reason you've never encountered him is because you really don't have a desire to encounter him. It's only when you have a desire, when you have a hunger, when you have a thirst for God, that God will reveal himself unto you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why I asked the question when we began, do you know God? But a better question is, do you want to know God? Because some folk don't want to know God. They just want to go through life and think they're going to make it to heaven. But you can't make it there unless you know God. And God want to reveal himself to you. But the question is, do you want to know him? Because the only way he'll reveal himself is if you really, truly want to know him. God yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. says, all right, Moses, I, I, I'm going to do what you ask, but I'm not going to do it in the way that you think I'm going to do it. What I'm going to do, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, I'm gonna pass by, but then I'm gonna let you see my backside. Uh-huh. I love it because here's what we have to under, Here's what we have to understand. We have to understand that sometimes when we pray stuff like this, it comes at a personal cost. You see, sometimes we really pray for stuff we really can't handle. Yes, sir sometimes we pray for stuff we have no idea the cost involved in what it is that we are praying for Moses prayed Lord show me your glory but but Moses prayed for something that was beyond what he had the capacity to even fathom but even in that God still knows how to protect us and answer our prayer at the same time God says I'm going to pass by but I'm going to let you see my backside because you can't see my face Because my face is the essence of who I am and the problem is the reason why you don't know what you're praying for is because I'll let you see my face but if I let you see my face I'm gonna have to kill you because no man can see God face to face and live I know what folk have told you I know and died and gone to heaven and come back to write about it and tell about it but ain't nobody Whoever saw God face to face can see him and live. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So God says, at best, what I'm going to do, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by and I'm going to let you see my, Back my backside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let you see my backside. And this, this is what it's really saying, because sometimes if we really want to know God, we have to see how he worked in the past. Come on, man. Come on. Yes, sir. Oh. And the way you really know God is to see how he worked in the past is to open his Bible and see what he's done in the past. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, because when you see what he's done in the past, it lets us know his character. It lets us know his attributes. Yes. It lets us know who he is. And we can perceive who God is. Why? Because he lets us see the back of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long have let's mercy. It, Long have mercy, Jesus. Let's bring it. He he, he said, I'm going to let you see my glory, but I'm going to let you see the backside of my glory. Now, do you really want to know God during this season? I mean, do you really want to know him? I mean, this year is dedicated to God. We're singing about God every Sunday. We're praying to God, praying about God. I'm I'm preaching about God, but if you really want to see him, if you really want to know him, then all you got to do is pray. All you got to do is pray to know God's ways. Yes, sir. Pray to experience God's power. Pray. pray to see God's glory. And watch this. When you do that, he will hear and answer. And he will begin to reveal himself to you. Watch this. But he will only reveal as much of himself to you as you can handle. Yeah. And as much of himself that, that you uh, desire yeah. yes, have got a God of witnesses because yeah. if you don't desire it he's not going to reveal it mm. Mm. but when you seek him passionately in prayer when you look at what he has already done in the past then he will begin to reveal more of you thank you for listening to the Renewing Your Mind podcast we pray that today's message was an encouragement unto you Until next time, be encouraged.